WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guests are the artists behind the image series Crowded, which is about to release its third and final volume. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Rose Stein and Ted Brandt. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank you. So uh, let, let's start with uh, the the craze that's that, that's sweeping uh, many nations. Uh, this this seems to be my my new icebreaker for repeat guests. But uh, how's your Wordle streak going? Not bad. Pretty good. I've only failed to get it entirely. I think once. Yeah. Same. But yeah, still not got it on the first try yet. No, but I mean that that is pure luck. So yeah. I'm, uh, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah, but you know, if, if you if any of us ever do get it, that's going to be you know. <laughs> well, I, I, I ordinarily I'm not like a fan of strategizing word. Like I change change up the word I start with each time. But mm-hmm. I did see someone that uh, post saying that they uh, they start every time with the word farts because that way <laughs> one day. One day, that'll be the word, and they'll get it on the first try, and it'll all be worth it. <laughs> I start with the same word every time. It, it, it has not worked out for me yet. But, but <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's like the lottery, right? Like some people play the same numbers every time because statistically, theoretically, at some point, it will be those numbers. Yeah. At some point, it will be farts. Exactly. <laughs> In it for the long game. That's the important thing. Exactly. <laughs> Oh boy. So uh, you offered to tell the story on Twitter the other day, and uh, this episode is going to be dropping less than a week before Valentine's Day. So I would love to hear it. Um, can you tell us the story of your first date? <laughs> yep. It, oh. it was painfully on brand for us yeah. um, <laughs> because we had entirely forgotten that it was, in fact, Valentine's Day. And had gone out to uh, meet a bunch of friends as we normally did. Every for, same day, every week, yeah, to do some bowling. It was our weekly uh, nice. bowling night, which was, you know, really great. Only then we, we were at the bowling alley for about an hour and no one else turned up before we realised that all of them were in relationships and it was February 14th. I think we were actually, we actually at, at, tweeted, or not tweeted, we texted some people saying, what, is no one coming? And someone eventually said, it's Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we actually had to be told it was Valentine's Day. I was like, oh, shit. No wonder <laughs> no one's here. We better go get some food. <laughs> and so then we went to a, uh, you know, fairly uh, cheap and cheerful chain restaurant it was right next to the bowling alley yeah right next to the bowling alley amazingly managed to get a seat within 10 minutes Mm -hmm. which was astonishing yes because it's quite late by that point yeah (laughs) and then we spent uh most of the um most of the meal criticizing the kerning on all of their signs (laughs) yep Too, too many F's and L's close too, too close together? Is it? No, it was quite gappy because it was like ironwork that had been made into words. It was like, they could have done that better. <laughs> Very picky about lettering. Yeah. So yeah, that it's painfully on brand for us from start to finish, really. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, are, are either of you good bowlers? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> me neither <laughs> I, I need the gutter barriers up otherwise it's it's a bit sad yeah I can do it without but it's still not what you'd call you know I'm never going to bowl a perfect game 
Mm-hmm. Let's put it like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the funny thing is I actually come from a family of bowlers. So my dad bowled in, in a, a rec league. My mom was on like the um, school parent-teacher association league. And my sister was a co-captain of, of our high school's bowling team. Nice. Uh, yeah, and then there was me. who would also occasionally play (laughs) if i broke a hundred it was a miracle (laughs) so there's that um so uh yeah so you're you're here on the uh sort of swan song farewell tour for crowded uh your uh crowdfunding murder series with uh writer christopher sabella colorist Trina farrell and letterer cardinal ray uh, I'm going to go ahead and for the listeners, read the solicit text uh, for this latest volume, uh, which is coming out in February. Uh, fired and ditched by Charlie, Vita sets off in hot pursuit of her former client and some answers. But Charlie's not alone. She's hired a brand new bodyguard, Cersei, unaware she's a killer who has been stalking Charlie since her crowdfunded assassination campaign began. As this catastrophic thruple cat and mouses its way across America, Feelings and knives and secrets will come out, including who started Charlie's Reaper campaign and why everyone wants her dead, uh, all leading to a bloody showdown with the shadowy group responsible for turning Charlie's murder into a viral sensation. So uh, issue number 12 uh, came out March 25th, 2020. Uh, yeah. Another one of those right under the diamond shut down wire comics. Yeah. Amazingly, uh, it's been it's been almost two years since readers have gotten to spend time uh, with Charlie and Vita. Uh, what about for you two? How much of the last uh, two years did you spend uh, working on this last volume or, or plotting it out with Chris? Uh, you we know, finished whatever. it almost exactly a year ago, actually. Yeah, uh, the line art. Um, then it's, it was about it's been March of last year that we finished. February, it? I think, end of February. Something, like, yeah. Um, so it's it's almost a year since we finished it, but it's just been a case of because Tree has been incredibly, uh, yeah, incredibly booked, after. <laughs> of course, because, yeah. because yeah. of her talent, then, and because Crowded, you know, was going to trade, then she couldn't prioritize it over gigs that were paying monthly. Sure. So that slowed things down, and I mean, in the end, we did have to uh, get a sub in for the last. Um, uh, the half of the book, yeah, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of Tree's uh, former students and now colorist in her own right, Diana Souza, who did she did a great job picking up um, where Tree left off. Yeah, we couldn't have asked for a better replacement, really. No, but yeah, so um, the line art's been done for almost a year at this point. By the time the podcast comes out, it'll be like 49, 50 weeks since that was all finished. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's weird to think about, really. Yeah, it really is. So uh, the last the last volume is is coming out as a complete graphic novel, as opposed to previous issues coming out. The first twelve issues came out monthly. Uh, yeah. How did that change how you all worked on the story? Not that much, really. I no, don't think. not from our point of view, anyway. Chris still wrote in issue form. Like mm-hmm. it meant that he like. The, the main difference is that instead of issues 17 and 18, there's just a supersized issue 17 mm-hmm. because there wasn't a good break point. Yeah, he said he kept trying to find a break point and then realised he didn't need to. It's all coming out in one book. So just <laughs> yeah, let it flow. And it, it's true. Like in, in the in the last two issues, you know, two issues worth of stuff, it's 52 pages. So it's, you know, 
it would have been two 26 page issues anyway but it just there was there's yeah. no good point to take a pause so yeah th that's the main difference really i think so but otherwise we still got the scripts when we got them and drew them and then passed them along yeah. i mean that is sort of the the convenient thing about working as a graphic novel you know theoretically those you know issue breaks those chapter breaks can be more arbitrary you know what yeah. i mean you can just sort of keep going i mean crowded's always been relatively arbitrary anyway we've never we've never stuck to a, a deadline in terms of page count hard and fast because mm -hmm. round about the same place but it's, ish yeah. i mean like we've we've had because although m most issues were 24 pages we've had 26 and 28 before now mm -hmm. so you know we've never been completely beholden to the idea of there needs to be a fixed page count if it turned out that what the story needed was more than that and was that in the script that it was it scripted out with that number of pages or did it you know i guess i'm asking is this full script or sort of that marvel method where you're drawing out the art and it's pacing somewhat from that well, it was full script written, and then we said we need more space. So, <laughs> yeah, at least one of the issues was just twenty six pages that Chris asked for. Yeah, but the twenty eight page um, issue three was written as a twenty four page, and we added in four extra pages because it needed the extra space, the to... extra space to just pull off exactly what Chris was asking for, mm -hmm. because it was especially in the earlier days of things we were making sure that we were delivering what Chris was asking for even though he didn't know what it was he was asking for in that way if, if you see what I mean like because mm -hmm. we were all still working out quite how the book felt and figuring out what needed what space how did that you know how did the relationship I guess among all of you change over time like I mean I, I imagine you know trust and, and everything you know, grows, but when you're, when you're working on those, those first issues and, you know, Chris has only known you for a little while. You, you two have only known uh, Chris for a little while. What's the, what's the sort of give and take like, and how does that change over time into this third volume? We asked permission more to just basically ignore the script. We stopped asking permission as we, uh, <laughs> yeah, so as we got further in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's like, we'll give you something. It'll, it'll be good. Uh, yeah. so at first it was like, oh, we might need to tweak these bits. This uh, this could do with spacing out. And then Chris just said at a certain point, it's like, I trust you. I, I give you what you what I've written, and you do what you want with it. So like, yeah. So then, yeah. Uh, a few by, by the time it was a few issues in, we just stopped even asking, and just when we sent in the pages, said, oh, by the way, we made changes here, here, and here. And he said, cool. Yes, <laughs> pretty <it> much. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so uh, social media and uh, really has only gotten worse uh, in the intervening years since the series has launched. Uh, you know, do you, do you look at what big tech has done since 2018 and go, eh, we kinda, you know, we kind of called that. Yeah. Yeah. I Which mean, we, we've had multiple conversations as a team Mm -hmm. where we've all been lamenting the fact that we did not want this to be predictive. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah. yet a disturbing amount of it has come true and i'm certain more will i was gonna say it, yeah and like it's not just the big things it's also the like the small things as well you know because i mean even with some of the background gags we were explicitly trying to um be over the top with it well, well also just like satirize the shape of american culture as a whole beyond app culture um like for i mean like with marie's condos yeah <laughs> the entire the entire point of that advert was to point out that there is nothing that capitalism won't subsume and turn into you know profit maker. exactly turn into a profit engine mm-hmm. so yeah it, it, yeah i we were more accurate than any of us would any of us would have liked that's a fair assessment. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, it begs the question. I was, I was thinking, I was thinking about this. Uh, I was rereading volume one to kind of get myself, you know, ready for this. Which member of the cast do you think would be most likely to get into NFTs and why is it Trotter? Oh, it's, it's oh, 100% gosh, yeah. Charlie. It's Charlie. <laughs> oh, okay. Like Trotter would be there definitely, but, but the difference is Trotter would be the Trotter earlier adopter. Would- I don't know if you'd understand it. No, but that, that wouldn't stop him getting into it. That's true. Um, like, so you've seen those matrix grids of would uh, you know would be into NFTs, wouldn't be into NFTs, understands NFTs, doesn't understand NFTs. I have not seen that. Oh, it's a, it's a whole format of. Yeah. Matrix I've, I've seen grid that kind for, of thing, but I've not seen the one specifically for NFTs. Yeah, but yeah, no, Charlie would have found a way to um, screw the information on the founding of NFTs and out of the people who were developing them, and somehow get herself a percentage on the ground floor. Yeah. Ugh. The uh, Superman 3, the, the rounding error. Yeah, exactly. She, she'd have done something awful somewhere and wound up with a percentage of ownership in Ethereum. She, she would have been the one who stole all those apes from that one guy. Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I do like the idea of of whether or not you understand or are into NFTs as being sort of like a sub D and D alignment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, lawful lawful good is not into NFTs. Uh, you met you mentioned the Easter eggs already, uh, which which is great because I did want to talk about those. Um, how much discussion goes into putting those into panels? Uh, you know, kind of just. Uh, thinking about some we of my favorite, just put them in. All right, yeah, we yeah. just put them in. All, all of them, all all of the Easter eggs were us, like because we just wanted to build the world out. Also, it makes us giggle. Yeah. As as I giggled when I discovered the TV show America's Next Top Bottom. Yes. It was fun to do the poster for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was also, I, mean, uh, I think this was like issue, yeah, it was issue five. Uh, and I'm looking at posters and of course I can't remember where the hell they were now, but there was a poster with Lucas Lee on it from Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> that there, was 100% me. Yeah, there, is, there are some that you can't see be, behind the speech bubbles as well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's more. You, you can see the poster for Undertaker Neighbor, but you can't see the poster that I drew for War Dentist. <laughs> Oh man. You had so much fun with that. Yeah. Lucas uh, Lucas Lee um movie posters from uh, um from the Scott Pilgrim film are my absolute passion. 
I, <laughs> I would literally murder someone to work on a book that stupid. <laughs> uh, you heard it here first, yeah, folks. Put that energy out in the world. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's how. That's how the secret works. <laughs> Oh yeah, I I I make you know absolutely no bones about this and shout about it about twice a year that like you know you can keep all your major licensing and all of that. I want the rights to Lucas Lee to to make Chris Evans looking awful action books. Yeah. Uh, Oni Press, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, so. Should really reach out to James Lucas Jones and see what he says. <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, God! So, uh, how do you feel like uh, your art or the way you make comics in general has evolved over the course of the series? Got better at anatomy. Yeah, that's definitely true. Like, I don't know. Um, I think the earlier stuff's a little bit more chaotic because at that point we had no clue what we were doing at all mm-hmm. for a book this involved. And so we're just like struggling to keep up with making sure that it looked good. So it's definitely it's definitely a more confident package by volume three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's accurate. Um but you miss the chaos. Yeah, I do. I, I really do. I, I it's why it's one of the reasons I, I you know, kind of, I'm not such a fan of being on books for a long time. Mm. I like that sort of panicky. What are we doing? Yeah, what? Well, yeah, that kind of panicky exploration of just going right. Okay, we've got all this shit to do. We've never done it before. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so you describe just describe this as involved. But this is a semi-modern setting. I mean, not modern, but, you know, it, it's not fantastical. How does that lie? Well, uh, it's not dragons and pirates. That would be, that'd be easier. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Because, I mean, for me, the first thing I saw y'all do was uh, the third volume of Princeless, which yeah. is... You know, pirate ships and dragons and things. So much easier. Yeah, because they don't have to be real places. And they don't have to look like they fit into it anywhere. Because, like, you know, when when you're doing a semi-modern book, or, you know, kind of almost modern book, then especially set in a city as recognisable as LA, you're going to get people who very quickly notice that you haven't done it right. We've, had, we've seen people say, this doesn't look like L.A. From people who haven't been in L.A. either. It's like, we've been doing it off Google Earth. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, we know about as much as you do, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, the pro- a lot of the problem is that like people's conception of L.A. comes from downtown Vancouver. Yeah. Because that's where <laughs> things are filmed. <laughs> but, but, like, in general, then, yeah, it's, it's tricky because... We had to design, a, I mean, because you've read Crowded, like there's so many places mm-hmm. that the narrative goes in terms of individual locations. So each of them needed design work to make them all completely unique and recognizable, but also plausible and mm-hmm. all of that. Like, so it, there is a lot going in to make sure, 
the the verisimilitude is holding. Mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, you know, also if anybody calls you on it, it's still set in the future. So you know, they they redid that road. <laughs> that building got knocked down. <laughs> no, nobody looks at Blade Runner and goes, "Well, that doesn't look like the way I picture the city." <laughs> That's not how 2049 looks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, you know, talking a little bit, kind of circling back to what you said about getting better at, at anatomy. You know, a lot of people are after Charlie over the course of the series. Ergo, you have to draw a lot of different looking people wielding all kinds of different weapons, whole ass vehicles, uh, etc. Was that kind of part of the challenge you know making all those characters and all those different methods of potential death uh distinct the thinking up a variety of weapons was harder than thinking up a variety of people because you could just go onto google and type in like random people on the street and it's like oh there's a lot of people i can draw and turn into cartoons so you can push people's like caricatures of just regular people into interesting ways and stuff and but it's like how many different types of bat with nails in can i draw <laughs> yeah uh, so we've got like a variety of um of like uh, plastic appropriate scale but toy guns i still don't think i think one of them is a mini version oh the sniper that... rifle is very mini yeah it's about, it's about half scale but like yeah. the we've got a, a submachine gun and a shotgun the right scale and we've got um some uh, wooden guns. training swords and accurate scale pistols so we've had a lot of good solid starting points for things so what you're saying is above you off screen there's an entire arsenal of of uh models for weapons. pretty much <laughs> holy shit That's there so you go <laughs> We have to have them on the wall because we've got nowhere else to bloody put them. Yeah. I know. That is a standard, like an kind of IKEA pegboard type thing, but very handy for holding up that stuff. Yeah. Now, I've never I've never been to Thought Bubble. I've never been to a British comic convention. There is a, a thing that you see at most every mid-sized to large show in America where there is a table full of replica weapons, swords, knives, blades of all kind. Is that also a thing in England? Um, not at the cons we go to. No. There pr it probably is in like some of the bigger ones in London. Possibly mm -hmm. some of the more ones that also cater to anime. Yeah. But um, Thought Bubble is more books. Yeah, because like Thought Bubble is explicitly a curated con. You have to apply for a table and show that you're like making comics or or at the very least comics adjacent art to get preferential. So like, while you know, they have like kind of sellers of them, um, like, you know, dice or tea or whatever. I think the wildest thing I saw was like that person that was making the full size monster heads. Yeah. But then like, <laughs> you know, generally speaking, while some, some people like that get in, then it's prioritizing actual comics makers as mm. its first yeah, his, his first... Uh, Portacol? That's the one, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was, wasn't sure if there was that same, same outlet for, for you to uh, 
amass uh, amass fake weapons for uh, for our you know for that would actually drawing. be really handy. But no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm now picturing somebody who makes swords really wanting to get into thought bubble and getting an artist to like lay out panels on a sword and then etching the the art onto the sword that would, be amazing. that would be so cool ah <laughs> oh, wow yeah uh, and that's how i got my miramasa blade into into thought bubble uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh so we did get uh, a couple questions from our uh regular twitter inquisitor asma fangirl who asked uh what are some of your your favorite things that you drew uh into the book uh, I, I always I'm going to remember one of the guys that's in Vegas who is just basically a walking mullet. <laughs> I just, he was fun. For me, it was the diegetic sound effects and the background gags. Yeah. Because those were the things that weren't, none of them were necessary in the slightest. And yet they were just joyful to do. Mm. It is really yeah. hard to make sound effects out of breaking glass, though. I think we did it. Oh, we did it, but oh God, it's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's one panel early on, though, that we tried doing it. It didn't quite work out right. You can't tell it says smash. Oh, I disagree. Can you not? Yeah, yeah. you can tell. Okay. That is very legible. So, oh, this is, that's literally the first page of the volume. Not no, not in volume three. In uh, like volume one, where we're trying out for the first time, it's actually made out of the pieces oh, of the glass rather not. than the glass hole. Maybe not. But yeah, yeah. Like, you know, the diegetic sound effects were great because I'm a huge fan of those and have been ever since. Um, it was a flash book. Was no, it's um, it fr- uh, Frank Whiteley drawing the first three issues of Batman and Robin uh, with uh, Grant Morrison, and just I you know. Although I'd seen them before, that was what really kind of ignited my passion for. It's like, oh no, these need to be a thing more often. Mm-hmm. No, I, that that's something that I, I definitely noticed and enjoyed. Like you would see a puddle splashing, and the splash would be part of the, the art of the puddle. You know, I was thinking about this recently because I was trying to talk about sound effects in an issue of Human Target, and it occurred to me, you know. I don't know for a fact whether this was Greg Smallwood drawing them on the page or if this is something that Clayton Cowles had done as a letter or whether it was, you know, a combination of the two. But here it's so sort of organically woven into the art that like, oh, I OK, yes, Rowan Ted did this. I'm like, I mean, you, you, 85 percent sure. <laughs> you, you think, but there's still a lot of people who credit it to the letter, which like, don't get me wrong, Cardinal Ray did a absolutely fantastic job all the way through but i just have no idea how <laughs> how would um, they have integrated i i don't know because um, like that would be so involved it wouldn't be cost effective for a no. letterer no. to 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 do stuff that integrated with the art to that level but it was aping my like my line work and your shaping yeah it would have been just not cost effective also part of it it, it does is quite involved in some of the panels like yeah. there's a flamethrower yeah. That like goes across the panel and stuff and you, it has like a whoosh sound effect and you just couldn't make the rest of the panel without that because it would be, because it goes over other people. So you just have these random places that you've left blank for the letterer to do something with. That wouldn't really work. No, like, because I mean, there are plenty of letterers who do fantastic job of like kind of in sort of semi-integrated 
sound effects that very much look like an organic part of it. But it's but it's in it's in books that aren't as line heavy as ours. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so it it makes it takes some of the weight off them because they don't have to lose a lot of time aping specific stuff. They're, they're more nailing a vibe than like, you know, actually integrating directly into the art in a way that mimics the artists. Yeah, Carl Ray already had enough to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, uh, how have you, uh, you know, again, this is the first time, you know, y'all have done a, a long form series like this. How have you, have you kind of gotten attached to these characters, you know, emotionally? Is there like a sadness to kind of being done with it? Or is it like, okay, on to the next one? There is an emotional attachment. Um, you were very, you were quite upset when you were doing the last page, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, I don't think it sunk in for me properly that it was ending at the time. So it was just like, I'm just, I'm just doing it. I'm just mm-hmm. doing it. Because, yeah, it takes a while for it to sink in. Yeah. And I'm still not certain it's entirely sunk in for me. No, but yeah, no, it, it was a really big moment because it's our, our first creator-owned book, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the longest thing we've ever done. I don't think we want to do anything quite this long again for a while. I'll say that. It takes stamina. Mm. It does. Um, I mean, yeah, especially uh, a lot of other longer form books wouldn't be so much of an issue. But because Crowded required 24 pages per issue, like, and I I worked it out once, like, I think volume one has an average of nine panels a page. Um, Volume two has eight and a half and I think volume three has seven. Like, so really high count and of panels. And because it moves through so many locations, so many of them need environments. They can't just be left blank because you're not, not having people doing lots of talking in the same place so to just drop it out. And there's always, uh, so they're always moving to a different place or they're actually doing specific something specific with the environment they're in. Yeah. So I think a longer form thing that, was closer to what other people do would be sustainable but for all that I missed it then it was it was still a bit of a relief to the body to <laughs> stop working on crowded uh, and and then whatever the next project is you get some of that chaos back that you were looking for oh yeah well I, the, the thing that we're planning at the moment if it comes off that's gonna be we're chaotic. gonna be panicking the entire way through yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> Congratulations, question mark. <laughs> and the monkey's paw curls. <laughs> uh, generally, what is because because you 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 are you are 18, you are you are the the the, the two in one, I suppose. Uh, what is something that you wish more people understood about the way you two work together? Oh, um, Quite often people try to delineate what we do completely wrong. Because it's, it's because it's so difficult to actually extricate what we do for, um, from each other's work and stuff. Yeah. Um, we, so we get, we, tr- we want to more get credited as art by. And so then it's just 
we've worked together to make this entire thing. This is what we've done. And not have people try and figure, try and guess what, what either of us has done as part of the process. Because mm-hmm. like, that's not how it works for us. So, no. No, that, yeah, like crediting us as one unit for whatever, like for whatever amount of the book we did would be ideal. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking about actually get making it uh, get credited as Brantenstein, all one word, <laughs> um, like uh, with the Guru Hero, because they're a team, aren't yeah. they? And um, they just get the one credit. So that might make it a bit easier with that. Yeah. Yeah, two separate names being people assume that it's all different jobs. And it mm-hmm. is to some extent, but it, it's not an adequate way of describing it. Right. It, it's like when people have talked to either Neil Gaiman or the late great Sir Terry Pratchett about good omens. And people are always like, well, I'm sure Sir Terry wrote all the funny bits. And both of them were like, no, we both wrote the funny bits. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you you can't there's very little you can look at and say oh that was definitely one of us yeah if if we were capable of that we'd both be doing different books honestly <laughs> as much as anything else so uh this is this is a this is a small thing from from volume one but uh i was thinking about the character of willa the the old woman who leaves vita uh her house in, in her will uh I live very close to uh, Atlantic City in New Jersey, you know, where all the, the casinos are and what have you. Uh, and there was uh, a woman there named Vera Koking, who in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, refused to sell her house to Donald Trump uh, for I, I can't remember whether he was trying to get build a parking lot or just expand one of his existing properties. But uh, this case went on for years uh, in the courts, and he actually tried to get the house condemned through uh, eminent domain and and lost. And so this woman was considered like a hero in the city because she stood up to Donald Trump and actually uh, Bob Guccione before him uh, when he was trying to make a a hustler hotel, I think, in Atlantic City. Uh, And, you know, it it just sort of reminded me of that. and, And it was something I wanted to to call out because uh you know it's there's real people like that and they're awesome <laughs> oh yeah like it, <clears throat> that, that, I th- as far as i know that was very much chris's intent to mm-hmm. say you know people like that do exist and should yeah uh, more more of the old guy from up please <laughs> <laughs> carl yes <laughs> Do a little swing through some of the other stuff that you've done in the not too distant past. Uh, how was working on the Pride anthology for DC with Cena Grace? Was the Pied Piper a character that you were familiar with going in? I was. I, I knew some about him. Uh, probably. Well, there was the Flash TV show. I saw yeah. a bit from that. Um, I didn't know. I don't know an awful lot about comics in general. I, I keep having to admit this to people and it's 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 shameful. But <laughs> um, better off. You have no intention of fixing that. No, no, I have no intention to fix it at all. Um, <laughs> so you might as well stop being ashamed, really. Yeah. 
it's not like we don't exist in a world that has these boxes that give you the full breadth of human knowledge if you need to research anything at the drop of a hat oh yeah and like i mean working with andrea shea at dc then she's fantastic at making sure you get any reference you need she's a very on the ball wonderful editor it's just really fun to talk to as well yeah she's like hey andrea do you got any uh, reference for this (laughs) please (laughs) yeah no, it, it was a it was a really great experience actually, because um, it was like yeah, it really felt like it was teamwork. Where as soon as we um, as soon as we signed up for it, because like Andrea basically got us got to us the week that we were finishing Crowded, and said, "Is there any way you, you could quickly turn this around for us? You know, it, it, this is a really long shot, but could you?" And we like. Yeah, we yeah. will. And <laughs> it's only four pages, it'll be fine. Yeah, and I mean, it, it turned into more of a thing than we were thinking, but whatever. But, the, but, but as soon as... That's basically our motto. This has become more of a thing than we initially thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, like, as soon as we signed up, Andrea, like, set up a, um, a, a voice chat, chat yeah. the, the Teams meeting with uh, um, both her and Cena, so that we could, like, get on the same page, uh, read, you know, make sure we've got all, uh, all the scripts sorted. We've got some specific references from Cena as well, which was very helpful. Yeah, and ask, got to ask a whole bunch of questions about, like, the vibe of specific panels and all that. So, yeah, yeah. like, we, we went in about as armed as we could be as a result of that. Like, so it was a phenomenally easy process to integrate into. And that is entirely because Andrea is wonderful and seen as a good writer so i i really dug that story and i have a a soft spot because the first issue of the flash i ever read was the issue where the piper comes out to wally and so ever Ah. since i've had a soft spot for pied piper coincidental bought the issue it had superman and flash racing on the cover looked neat (laughs) (laughs) oh for the days when you would just go to the go spin a rack and be like oh that looks neat Yeah, it was a fantastic book to be a part of. It really was like such a good project. And I'm really excited to see what everyone does for this year's. Glad to hear that. Um, you also had a story recently uh, in uh, the Red Sonia uh, Black, White, Red anthology with, with Shannon Waters uh, of Lumberjanes fame. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when you think of, of, of Red Sonia, you get certain uh, preconceived notions in your head so this this seems just based on the people involved like a very different kind of thing you know when, when y'all talked like what was the angle that you were looking to to take with you know the limited space you had for the character that one we didn't talk um, it was like the script was what did the talking there um, oh. uh, you said you said about the certain vibe um i was a bit um because i'd never done I'd have really read much Red Sonia, but I knew about like, the violence and the blood and all of that. I was like, oh, are we going to be able to do this all right? And then we got the script. It was like, oh, this is so our jam. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I mean, we have described it as Hanna-Barbera Red Sonia. And I stand by that. I like that. It, yeah, it, it was very easy. Shannon's script was an absolute delight. Oh, yeah. I... I I don't often actually laugh out loud when reading scripts, but I definitely had a, a few quite loud chuckles when reading it. Yeah, so it was it was absolutely that that was a joy. It really was. That's great. 
when when you're limited to spot color in a story uh does that make it easier harder or neither um well we haven't done that much color stuff but honestly it was quite it, it was quite helpful because we did have a quite t- uh, quite a quick turnaround for it and um yeah because we, we had like a little under two weeks to get the 10 pages done mm-hmm. If you, if you also um, if you do it in black and white, for me personally, that can be a lot easier because you're working with tone and you don't have to worry about the actual like color integration stuff. And mm-hmm. um, it's because um, it's a different uh, type of processing, isn't it? Yeah. Tone than um, saturation stuff. So it does. It can be quite a bit easier to just go like, ah, this these bits aren't quite uh, meshing in terms of tone um, tone stuff. So that can be a lot quicker to do than if I'm trying to figure out why did these colors not look right? What's going on? Is it, is it the saturation? Oh, I just picked really bad colors. <laughs> also, it was very fun to have an excuse to use um, red liquid watercolor on the original art. Yeah. So like the original art pages, all of the, the red in there, because it's, there's, yeah, as I said, it's basically Hanna-Barbera, Red Sonia, so there's no blood or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But, so it's mostly Sonia's hair and the hair of the imposter, Mogona the Crimson. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so we did those entirely without um, without any outline, just just, just painting it. Of red. And that does, yeah, it's ended up with a really lovely effect. That's great. Um, how, how do these anthology shorts and 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 the cover work that that uh, you do? How does that fit? into your schedule now i know obviously crowded is behind you now but there's uh, there's something else that you're working on that clearly is in the we can't say much about it phase you know how do you kind of juggle that stuff well i mean the thing we can't talk about that's not like being picked up anywhere yet Mm -hmm. we're still building a pitch for it so okay okay it's quite easy to just put that on hold for a few minutes to do some paying work because that's what you know the paying work is what's paying us Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> enough money to make the pitch. Yeah, at the moment we just keep getting quite small jobs, so they quite they, um, they don't take much time, so they will fit around each other quite easily. Mm-hmm. So that's not such much of a yeah difficult so, juggling job because we've been like it since crowded finished. We've been working on a variety of different pitches for different types of thing. So mm-hmm. we've only been really taking small paying jobs in the last year. So then we can have plenty of time to get back on and make a new pitch again. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it it works out pretty fine. Like the pitches don't have specific deadlines, so it's it's always a case of just we work on it till we run out of money or some someone comes along saying, "Can you do this?" Mm-hmm. And at which point you say, can you pay me? And they say, yes, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far, they have. Thank God. Um, now, I, I saw you also did some some trading card art for a Marvel uh, game, correct? Yes. Quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've done like 30 or 40. Yeah, and I don't think most of them have come out yet. So. Oh, wow. Okay. I think... Okay. I, I think 
Oh, of the ones we've done for Fantasy Flight, mm-hmm. I think only one of them has come out because we went through the, the only comp deck we've received so far. It had one card. And there was only one of our cards in there. So it's like, I'm sure we've done more than this. Yeah. So like I think we you know, yeah, there'll be there'll be a, a lot more coming out steadily over the next couple of years because we've done yeah, somewhere in the region of 30 to 40 so far. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I can't even remember all of them because oh, no. it t- takes such a small amount of time to do, and then you're moving on to the next stuff, and then what comes back to it? And like, oh shit, yeah, this is what this is. We did this. I forgot yeah. about this. <laughs> when was this? But they're they're really fun because like six or seven cards, we can we can turn around in like two weekends time. Hmm. So we don't have to take any time out of the work week. We can just. Do them at the weekend and it, you know it's fun spare money yeah are you you know i, I, w- I was going to ask how kind of doing trading card art differs from say say doing a comic or a pinup are you you know working with a smaller space are you drawing big and sizing it down like how that works um i think we uh, I, we can't do it at the size it's going to be printed because then it would just be a bunch of pixels <laughs> But so there's quite it's that small. It's like, oh no, well, no we, I, we do it at like the three by four inches, just at 600 dpi. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if because um, they don't necessarily want it at 600 to be sent 400, in. so it's, it's not like too big a scale down, but yeah, but for my because I'm working digitally, so my, my brushes are, are still having to be quite a bit thinner than normal because <laughs> I, I do like to use chunky brushes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not like massively different to normal, just small tweaks to process. <laughs> so what is, is there a next thing that you're both working on that you're, that you can talk about at this point? No, not really. <laughs> okay. no, because, because all of it, because all of it's pitching. Uh, so like we, so it's pitching and there's something that hasn't been an- <clears throat> announced yet. Um, and then just more pitching yeah so yeah it's it's just a case of unfortunately like as much as anything else we just don't want to jinx it because like the 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 pitch that we're starting on at the moment is one we're really attached to like if we it's a case of if we can pull it well when we pull it off which might take a little while then it has the potential to be because we're still figuring out the plot (laughs) yeah but we're getting there yeah we're getting there so you know We'll probably be, you know, tweeting out like chunks of character design and things as mm-hmm. we go, just to remind people we're still alive. Sure. <laughs> Some uh, WIP pics on Instagram just to just to feed the beast. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, we're not very good at posting art because oh God, no. so much of what we end up doing, like you, we can't do can't tweet for months I saying, afterwards I, anyway i never know if it's like is it okay to do this because like with crowded stuff i was like is this okay to post and they'll see that chris has posted stuff i was like oh never mind <laughs> i don't have to post it he's already done it i'll just retweet it it's fine social media is hard yeah yeah <laughs> it, it it certainly is uh now is this is this is this a project that you're you're writing as well as as well as drawing? Yeah. Yes, that's great. The plan is for us to do everything but the lettering. Okay. It's it's going to show just how weird we are. 
as long as we get it right. Yeah. Then yes. I think even if we get it wrong, it's going to show how weird we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very specific vibes. All 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 we can really say at the moment is it's an actual, genuine, honest to god farce. I, I like that. That's great. We like a good farce. We like slapstick. You know, contrived coincidence and terrible things going wrong to not great people. Then, you know, all all of this sort of stuff. It's right up our alley. So we're trying to go for it and actually seeing if we can make a make a farce of our very own. Well, that's great. I, you know, certainly wish you the best of luck as that uh, continues. You should keep working on that. Um, now, in addition to making comics together, uh, did I see that you also both are are into you know knitting and making your own clothes? Yeah, more you than me. More me. <laughs> okay. I, 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 because yeah, I'm hyperfixated. Yeah. Oh, that, that sweater vest that you put up on Twitter a few days ago was delightful. Oh, thank you. It, I, um, I haven't blocked, well, I've just blocked it today. So hopefully it's going to be a little bit longer because it does have a tendency to ride up a little bit. But um, so I don't know if you know anything about knitting, but blocking is where you basically soak it and so that it lets the fibers relax and stuff so that, and then you let it dry out flat. So it has more of a forever shape, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, I made this hat. That's um, awesome. Yeah. It looks cozy. It, it is. It is the first um, thing I knit that wasn't basically a square, so it's got like holes and stuff in it because I got confused. <laughs> I started knitting in the wrong direction and stuff. So, is that your general, uh, what my wife likes to call a house hat? <laughs> yeah, this is the one. I if I'm going to go out walking, I will put this one on because then it doesn't matter if I get really sweaty in it. <laughs> Uh, what are you What are you both reading right now? Ooh, um, good question. Um, I'm reading knitting patterns. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, <laughs> I'm not a very good reader. Um, let's think. I just finished up um, the last of the Immortal Hulk trades and the latest Reign of X. Um, absolutely devoured the first Nightwing volume from uh, Taylor and Redondo because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I. I'm only a trade reader now just because I don't have the space, well, I don't have the space to buy physical books mm-hmm. anymore. And I don't have the mental bandwidth to keep up with monthly stuff. So it's just, yeah, trade waiting. So I'm excited about like kind of the next round of the um, Infinite Frontier first volumes mm-hmm. to start leaking through. Because I've always been more of a DC boy than a Marvel. Like, hmm. I've, I've been generally delighted by what the uh, the X office has been turning out the last couple of years, but mm-hmm. other than that, Marvel's much more of a hit or miss thing. Like it's much more about the specific creators, and generally with DC, I've, it's easier to find creators doing something that I like. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Um, the the only other thing I've read recently was the uh, seventh volume of uh, The Way of the House Husband, which is. Mm-hmm. exactly as delightful as the other six i do have something that i'm planning on reading when it comes out in the trade form um sweet paprika by merkel mm-hmm. andolfo i'm intending on reading that because it looks um the, the art style is very fun looking you know when, when you could get to the justifying your opinions you suddenly start trading off 
do I? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. Like, like somehow it's your answer isn't good enough, so you just mumble it. Uh, I, I have no justification. Stop putting your hand over your mouth while you talk. Oh, no. <laughs> On this podcast, we love it. We love what we love, and we say it loud, and we say it proud. <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't have much information on it. I just know that it looks fun and I want to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it comes, is it, comes out in March, was it? Oh. Late February, early March, somewhere. Oh, is it around about Valentine's Day it comes out? Maybe. I, I think know. that might be it. Yeah, it's yeah. like next few weeks somewhere. So I'll have something I want to read that Ted didn't suggest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. And, and, and I, I will say I'm not I'm not as much of a DC reader uh, and, and I haven't been reading Nightwing, but Bruno Redondo's covers on that book are gorgeous. So are the interiors like I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> we I think it'll be in volume two. Wait till you see the issue that is basically one continuous panel. I've I've yeah. You showed me that on Twitter or something. Yeah, because I've, I've seen people like making uh, posters of it and things like that. It's incredible piece of work i i cannot imagine the logistics that went into doing that well it helps if you're doing it entirely digitally because for us we'd be boomed (laughs) oh god (laughs) i'm trying i'm trying to imagine you having to scan and match that up it would be hell yeah i know because i keep saying that like i need a larger printer scanner so i can do double pages on a single piece of paper because trying like there's an interesting quirk of i don't know whether it's just scanning in general or our scanner where i I wonder whether it's warped slightly so that the paper doesn't go completely flat or something but like so like we print off the two pages of the double page spread Mm -hmm. and if i ink both of them like to exactly the margins and all that i'll scan them and they will match about 95 percent and the other five percent the lines will just like be kind of completely not touching it makes no sense and there is we short of buying a new scanner, which isn't like, buying a new printer scanner, which isn't a very viable option. Sure. Then we just have to kind of puzzle through it. So I think I know what might have happened to it. Because mm. it's got like that almost card type top bit. Mm. When we were in the office outside, the constant cotton cold might have warped it. That's possible. I've had a breakthrough live on air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean like I don't know how I don't know if that would affect it like that much because it's still is this the paper still sitting on the glass like that's above it not below it yeah but um isn't the whole point of that thing to press it so it's flat and doesn't curl up anywhere but it doesn't curl up anywhere like because the paper's dry and all that it's, it's a flat sheet when okay it goes I, down. my breakthrough was nothing ah uh. yeah I, it's it's one of those horrible horrible tech mysteries where something's going wrong and we can't work out why Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah it, but, so all of that is to say if we tried doing something like Redondo pulled off it would be a nightmare because the number of mismatches we'd get on each page seam would be upsetting I think you'd end up punching <laughs> a hole in the wall yeah or the, or the scanner yeah did once slightly punch a hole in the laptop you didn't you didn't punch a hole in it you made it so that the hard drive misaligned and it wouldn't wake up again same difference so, so he literally like knocked it out like if you cold cocked a guy it knocked yeah. it out 
but a computer. And the worst part was this was in university when he was trying to finish off a project. So we lost that project. And we had, I, I, I helped you. This is technically the first time we ever worked on a comic together yeah. was to try and get your uh, end of year project uh, finished to get together. Yeah. Oh. You up your laptop. The IT professional in me is just like, <laughs> ah! Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the casing was slightly dented. and It was bad. The, 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 it wasn't a solid state hard drive. It was a proper old magnetic one. And so the disc had just been knocked straight off its alignment. Didn't we have, you went to drive like an hour away to try and get someone to fix it? Yeah. They'd had it, did they have it for a while? Couple, yeah. In a couple, couple of days, days, they said, we can't do anything with this. And then it was just overdrive panic of, you need to do this again. And I will help you. They, to be fair, they rescued a surprising amount of the stuff. Yeah, but didn't, didn't all your colours go? Not all of them, about half. About half the colours. I can't remember how close to the deadline that was. Was it like two days? Something. something awful. Something terrible. Yeah, it'll work out. Oh, <laughs> works out. That's the important yeah. thing. The terror. The terror in Matt's eyes right now. This is I just, amazing. I've seen these kind of things happen, and I the I had someone who had a, a portable hard drive, and it, you know, suddenly it was making this clicking sound. It's like, yeah, that's that's the disc in there. You, you're you in trouble. We're going to have to just try to see what we... I'm going to have to send this off to somebody to see what they can recover. I've been there. And they recovered about two-thirds of what was on the drive, including yeah. the the important files that they had in there. But it became the first thing I had to say. Do not leave these portable hard drives plugged into your computer 24-7. That is not what they are designed to do. I just learned something. Hurriedly leaning over. Good to let them rest and not leave them plugged in when you're moving your laptop. Also important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, your head, IT lesson an, of the day. <laughs> there's, there's, there's an IT person in my head that's just asking, did you try punching it off and then punching it back on again? <laughs> <laughs> oh man but uh Rowan Ted this has been a fun hour uh final question as we're wrapping up how can people follow you both uh online and keep up with uh crowded and everything else that you're working on um well I am Rostein 404 on both Twitter and Instagram and good luck spotting my posts because I am encrypted on there basically (laughs) (laughs) I will emerge and then disappear back into the forest uh, I'm technically on Instagram, but I wouldn't bother following me because it's rare. I, I only occasionally remember the platform exists. So Twitter is at 10 underscore bandits. Um, for Crowded Volume 3, best bet is to get in touch with your local comic store and hope that they've got any spares because we're well past final order cutoff. Um, uh, or, you know... Um, I, I really don't want to plug Amazon, so literally anywhere else. <laughs> Good call. Uh, Rowan Ted, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for thank having you us. Vargas. This has been great.
That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcasts, Battle of the Atom, Chris is on Infinite Earths, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lasowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a $1 donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Cap herself from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the loyalist content consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, that ad where they use the Silver Surfer to promote a jet ski giveaway. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.